2: Well, we are just talking with James Wallner about uh, some of the leadership elections that will be coming up. Democrats have announced theirs to be on the 30th of November. And, uh, of course, the Republicans are expecting that they will take a majority in the House, even if it's only by a couple of seats. And that has got all the rumblings rolling uh, for a speaker in waiting, I think, in waiting and waiting. Uh, Representative Kevin McCarthy, who's been uh, doing all the things you do when you run for speaker, Uh, But one of the things that has been amongst the chatter and rumbling is giving some power back to lawmakers and committees. And uh, he wouldn't be the the first leader to try and shed some of the speaker's power. Uh, Others have failed to, to pull that off. But could it be something that could help reduce some of the partisanship? So it's really an interesting component, uh, particularly looking at the Freedom Caucus, the pressure that they are likely to put on the speaker before they get into any kind of leadership vote. And so we wanted to dig into that. There was a great piece uh, in The Hill called Can the uh, Freedom Caucus Revive the People's House? Uh, Kevin Kosar is a senior fellow at AEI where he studies the U.S. Congress, administrative state, American politics, election reform and the U.S. Postal Service. Kevin, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, And so as we look at the piece that you wrote in The Hill, um, talking about uh, the Freedom Caucus and the People's House, we've just been kind of breaking down what that speaker's race uh, might really materialize to be. Uh, Give us your sense in terms of, first, uh, what is it that the Freedom Caucus is hoping to negotiate with a potential speaker, Kevin McCarthy?
0: Well, um, it's pretty remarkable. Um, In late summer, the Freedom Caucus publicly issued a list of demands for changes to the rules of the House. And, you know, they could have done that behind closed doors, and they tried that behind closed doors, but they weren't getting the response from leadership that they wanted. Um, So they went public. And then they doubled down just a few weeks ago when they created a, like, 50-page guide to new GOP members of Congress Mm in which they also demanded rules changes, and they made it really clear to incoming members to understand that if the rules are not changed, then they're going to be miserable because they're not going to be able to behave like legislators.
2: Yeah. Oh, and I I think that's such a a crucial component. So many get back there thinking they're going back to legislate, and then suddenly they realized, uh, and this has obviously happened over time, both sides of the aisle guilty of that, but the Speaker has become such a... Partisan space, as opposed to a legislative space, uh, that that's really uh, kind of undermined the the effectiveness of the House.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, legislating is hard work. Uh, it's time consuming work. It's often frustrating work, and the only incentive to do it is either a moral conscience or the chance that you're going to get something actually done which is satisfying. And committee chairs I think have increasingly felt like you know they don't really have a control over this because more and more pieces of legislation are you know drafted behind closed doors in the speaker's office and then dropped on the floor at the last minute for yeah. an up and down party line vote. Yeah. And that's no fun.
2: Yeah. And yeah, it is uh, just the antithesis of what the process and the transparency is supposed to be. And it usually leads to uh, a lot of big spending by both political parties. You mentioned in your in your piece, uh, Paul Ryan uh, was really one of the the last speakers to kind of try to get things back, uh, that power back to the the committees. Uh, Why did that effort ultimately peter out?
0: Well, it proved time consuming in part. Uh, And members who previously had spent their lives being protected from taking tough votes suddenly were having to vote on amendments.
2: (laughs) What a radical thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so they tried it for a short time. And, you know, the House wanted to move a whole lot of other legislation and didn't want to spend multiple days of floor time on a single piece of legislation. So they just they just kind of shut it down. But, you know. This is what happens. If members come and they are taught, we're gonna protect you from hard votes. That's what they get used to. And then when they're forced to take a hard vote, they scream.
1: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's especially true in the House because uh, because they're always up for uh, re-election with a two-year cycle uh, they're constantly running. And so they're always worried about those tough votes, uh, that that will be in the next campaign ad, either in a, in a primary or in a general election. Uh, but that is the job. And uh, uh, explain for us just a little bit more, Kevin. Uh, i like for our listeners to really recognize this whole idea that the way the bill's supposed to be done is put on the floor. And then there's actually an opportunity for not just debate and speeches, but actual amendments that could make it better uh, to actually be voted on as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the heart of the Freedom Caucus's demands are the, the wish that we just go back to Schoolhouse Rock. You know, you introduce a bill as a member, that bill gets referred to committee, it gets chewed over in committee, it gets reworked, it gets reported. And then it's brought up for a vote, and that you can then offer amendments on that. Seems simple, seems straightforward, but we just don't do a whole lot of that anymore.
2: Yeah, that's right. We're firm believers in Schoolhouse Rock here on this program, <laughs> along with being equal opportunity offenders of uh, both sides when they don't follow the Schoolhouse Rock model. Uh, so what So, what are you uh, anticipating? What are you watching for? Uh, you mentioned uh, these new members, uh, helping them get educated on it. Uh, we were just talking the Democrats will have theirs coming up uh, on the 30th. Uh, Republicans haven't weighed in yet uh, on that. I guess they'll actually have to wait until the new Congress is formed. But you've got these new members of Congress who who can't even find their way through the tunnels uh, from their offices to the Capitol. And uh, they're going to be taking votes on a lot of these things uh, that ultimately will either protect them from taking any hard votes or cause them to be the le- legislators that they're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. The proposed schedule was uh – for the GOP uh, House legislators to meet next week, and they would take a vote on who gets to be the speaker, Um, and then they would take a vote on the rules. And the House Freedom Caucus has told new members through this publication and who knows what other means that these are your moments for leverage. Mm. If you're willing to stand up and fight, this this is the moment to do it, because otherwise, once leadership's picked, once the rules are cast... The next two years are out of your hands largely. Yeah. Um, and so they're saying, like, we want to push a rule so that members assigned to a committee can choose their own chairman instead of chairs being picked largely based upon whether they are, you know, obedient to the speaker and good fundraiser.
2: And good fundraiser, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Great insight, Kevin Kosar, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Where he studies the Congress, administrative state, American politics, election reform. And uh, Kevin, great perspective today. We're going to keep our eyes very closely on this one because it really will uh, set the die in terms of how things function uh, for the next two years. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Boyd. Uh, I I think it's so important that we recognize the process matters. If we're going to complain about what happens in Congress in terms of spending, in terms of action or inaction, A lot of that is going to be determined both for the Democrats and for the Republicans based on who the leaders are and how they choose to lead. If it's still going to be command and control central by the Speaker of the House and the minority leader, where they will craft things behind closed doors, drop them on the floor, no debate, no discussion, no amendments that could make those bills better, just straight up or down votes, you end up with nothing but partisanship. And the Democrats stick together, the Republicans stick together, uh, and we get very ineffective, inefficient, and incredibly costly governance. And that's not what we want. Watch those leadership elections closely. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, Governor Spencer Cox will join us to discuss how Utah is trying to bring STEM education to rural and marginalized communities. Stay with us for that conversation coming up next.
1: That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.